Video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you want to watch it. Hello, my name is Justin McClure, and I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast. We go through all this week's notable Blu-rays and DVDs. One by one by one. That sounds like you're going to murder them. Yeah. Oh, we're going to murder this list today. Just like we're starting with Tenebrae 4K UHD. Now, I specifically did not add this one. I know, I know. Because I feel like we've talked about Tenebrae already. I like it. It's a fun Dario Argento movie. Yeah, I know this is just a 4K upgrade of the previous synapse disc or whatever yeah you know what i never i still don't own this so maybe this is the version i will get and you are not gonna buy this version don't lie to yourself no i'm not i'm not so I they won't. went through the like 80 dollar tin and then they had the standard like 35 dollar version and now they're going back up to like now give us 50 i know right and we only got the one version i know on their site it was like yeah there were the different special editions but we just got like the standard version and that was it but i mean it still looks pretty it looks nice and i gotta say this might be controversial but this might be my favorite argento film I don't know. Is that weird to say? I don't know. I really... Now, if you were like the Phantom of the Opera or <laughs> Giallo was my favorite. Well, you know, Giallo's number two. Giallo's number two for sure. <laughs> I know you love Giallo because Adrian Brody. Somebody needs to. When's Synapse going to get on the Giallo 4K special edition? Uh, that feels like something Vinegar Syndrome would do. Yeah. And it yeah. would be a 4K special edition. It would. Yeah. And it would be $60 and everyone would buy it. That, would, that was one that I'd probably go, no. <laughs> I will not purchase You say it. that now. They you... probably have some trouble doing some special features because everyone, remember, it was a big oh, I know. legal well, brouhaha. Adrian Brody, like, Adrian Brody did not want you to see that movie because he didn't get paid or didn't get paid in time or something. I'm sure he got paid. But if there was an Adrian Brody commentary oh, track on then it in I'm character. Down. He, he's so ridiculous in that movie. That's one of my favorite Brody performances, I think. I gotta say. What's your second favorite? Uh, I don't know. I like him in uh, the, the jacket? jacket. Yeah. What is the one that he's trapped in a car? <laughs> yeah. Wrecked. Oh, that's wrecked. You know that that movie that movie's bad. That movie I was so excited for that movie when it came out. When will you ever learn, Mark? <laughs> I know. You know, it's those like really high concept, like one person survival thriller kind of premises. They always hook me. Always. So get next me. up, we have Flatliners from Arrow, the Joel Schumacher original. Unless this is a special edition of the remake that came out <laughs> of the new one. <laughs> it is not. This is the Joel Schumacher original, and this is one of only two releases Arrow has this month. So they're they're going all in on flatliners. You know, this this I mean, do you like this? You put this on the list. Do you, are you a fan of this or eh, it's fine. I just put it here because it's like I know it's the big release that you mentioned that you sold a lot of copies of and that you had like hundreds in the back room. Yeah, it's actually done better than I would have expected, but I think it's just that fancy arrow packaging, you know, because it's been out on Blu-ray before. It never sold well for us really in the past. So I don't know. I don't know. This is a movie that I always like really wanted to like more than I ever did. I think I've seen it like two or three times and it always kind of disappoints disappoints me, even though the cast is like great. What people forget is that the premise is supposed to be like demons are coming after the people because they die. But it never really like lives up to that concept. No, it's it's got a few good gear moments that are okay, but it's mostly just like a dullish 90s thriller. I mean, I like the cast. I like like almost everyone involved in it. I don't know. Arrow's got a Kevin Bacon thing going recently, too. I feel like they put out a lot of Kevin Bacon films. The best thing that came out of Flatliners is the Bill Hader joke in Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping, where he says that he stops his heart like in the Jan de Bont classic uh, Flatliners. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, that's a good one. So next up, we have Planet of the Vampires, 
wait, didn't this come out already from Kino? Is this a 4K? Yep. Well, this is like, you know, how we talked about Steel Justice a couple uh, weeks ago. This is another one of Kino's repackages. So, yeah, Planet of the Vampires came out, I don't know, seven years ago, maybe on Blu-ray. And this is being touted as a special edition. Uh, I don't know. The only difference I can see is that it has a slipcover now, although maybe it's a new restoration. There is a new commentary by Kim Newman and writer-journalist Barry Forshaw and the old uh, Tim Lucas audio commentary Okay, as well. cool. I, I mean, I love this film. I've... I remember this was really expensive when Kino originally put it out, so maybe that's why they're re-putting it out again. Well, you know, I never picked it up uh, first time either, so maybe this is this is the chance. I mean, I love how they're re packaging them as special editions and you're right they're a little bit cheaper too which is nice this i mean this is pure bava here it has the color it's got a great nothing look. happens in this movie sci-fi horror melt nothing really happens but i don't know just the vibe of it always like stuck with me and i don't know it just always really did it for me i'm gonna pick this one up i didn't pick up the previous edition i because it was so expensive i was like ah. yeah you know i had the like old MGM Midnight Movies DVD for like years which is not good it's like an old like non-anamorphic transfer so I always meant to pick up the Blu-ray so I'm glad it's uh, glad it's back. Next up we have I'm Dangerous Tonight which always makes me laugh when I read that title out and you're like wait what is this? It's from Kino it's a Toby Hooper TV movie and it's this week's Blind Boy boop, 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 boop. Woo, 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 yeah Blind Boy yeah Blind Boy and I kind of uh, suggested this one. Mark picked this one because he watched it because of course he will, because it stars his favorite Twin Peaks star. Madge Amick, uh, who, yep, obviously is great. I'm in love with her. She's the best. I mean, everybody in Twin Peaks I'm in love with, so it's great. And yeah, I've wanted to see this one for years. I'm a big Toby Hooper fan, too, even though I don't really like a lot of his movies, if I'm being honest. I don't know. There's just something about him I like. And I've always meant to see this, but it's never been on DVD. I think it was only on VHS back in the day, and I just never watched it. So, Kino, you know, as they keep digging into the TV movie vaults, this is one of their bigger releases in that vein, I guess. What did you think of this, Justin? I mean, you thought it was going to be bad. Was it as bad as you thought? I thought it lived up to the promise of being a killer dress movie that was shot for TV in 1990. Yeah, I, I will agree with, with that you. that in mind, <laughs> I guess I have no complaints. It basically delivers on that premise. It's a evil red dress that they found in like a tomb and that was made when people wear it. I think they say that it amplifies whatever you're trying to um, tamp down. Yeah, but really right? what it means is that men turn into murderers, women turn into sex freaks. Yeah, basically it just turns women into sex freaks, which is, you know, very of, of a time. I mean, this is based on a Cornell Woolrich uh, short story, which is interesting to me. So I would like to know what the original story's like, because uh, this movie doesn't have a ton of nuance to it or anything. I will say, like, the first half hour, I was, like, pretty into this. I thought it even had, like, maybe a bit more of a budget than I was expecting for, like, a 90s TV movie. Although I guess Toby Hooper maybe was was able to afford that a little at that time. But uh, then it just... You know, it got to the halfway mark, and it just kind of started fizzling out for me, personally. Wait, you didn't like D. Wallace going full wild D. Wallace as a killer? No, I like lo love D. Wallace. She was a bright spot. Um, and, you know, I liked Anthony Perkins. He was fun hanging yeah, he around. He doesn't have much to do. He has the and credit, so you're like, all right, he's just going to appear at the beginning and the yeah. end. Yeah, I think my main problem with this, though, is Madgen Amick's character, or how she was written. Uh, she's just so dumb in this. Did you find, like, well, she... Well, she was possessed by the dress, Mark. I was thinking the same thing. I know, but there's moments where it's like, it's plainly like obvious what's going on. And she just like, it's one of those like 
horror movie tropes that I just hate where it's like the lead it's so obvious what's going on and like she just can't put two and two together until like the very end wait she does I thought she figured it out earlier no, on it seems like she does that was my problem with it there were several moments where it's like oh she's getting it now she's getting it and then no she doesn't get it and it just keeps going like that forever so that kind of I thought she was more like a drug addict yeah she knew what was bad but she still kept doing I it I mean that's cool if you're gonna go that way but I don't even think they did that well enough to really make me buy it but you know what there were some fun sequences i love when the grandma gets pushed down the stairs that was that was funny that was a great scene (laughs) i laughed very heartily when that happened so you know i'm kind of like in the middle on it like i'm glad i watched it but i you know as a buy i I think one watch is enough for my god this blu-ray is a hilariously packed special edition yeah that's the thing they put a lot of effort into this two commentary tracks uh, an interview with D. Wallace, interview with the director of photography, behind the scenes footage with uh, commentary of the person who shot it, a video essay. All right, sure. I mean, that's a lot of cool stuff. And I mean, I love that they're providing all this context for it uh, because it's, you know. Was Matt Chinamic, uh busy? She couldn't do an interview either? That's the thing. Like, really? They couldn't get her. I feel she like. She did um, special features on Sleepwalkers. Maybe she doesn't have fond memories of this. I don't know what the behind the scenes was like, but I would have liked to know from her what it was like working with toby hooper i don't know downing uh dr pepper and perhaps some other uh illegal substances i've maybe heard people discuss that he used to take back in the day so let's be classy here and they're lon cheney before the thousand faces a bunch of short uh, lon cheney films yeah remastered by the library of congress Step right up, 1915, 1916. And this is from a cool, sort of newish company called Undercrank, uh, which does a lot of silent stuff that's kind of been... <laughs> Sounds like a porn company. They, it's not, though. It's not at all. Um, they um, do a lot of, like, more obscure, maybe silent stuff, and they do some nice restorations. I think it's just, like, one guy in his, like, garage making these discs, though. Really? But they work with the Library of Congress. I guess he's got some connection, but I really think it's just, like, a one-man operation, this company. Um, but yeah, these seem cool. I mean, I'm not necessarily a Lon Chaney head, so I don't know as much as maybe you do, but they did, there's two volumes of this too, which I know is cool. none of these shorts. I'm just, you know, throwing this in so we don't just talk about films from the late eighties, early nineties. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. This film would all be, this podcast would all be eighties, nineties, two thousands movies if we didn't make an effort. So this is us making an effort. All right. Let's go back to our comfort zone. Let's go back to the eighties. Yeah. We have the beast and there's a lot of films called the beast. No, this is not about the giant rape monster. Uh, one that's like the fairy tale. This is the 1988 Kevin Reynolds film. Yeah, and this movie, um, I've never actually seen this, but this has a huge fan. This has a huge fan base. People love. Uh, this I film. remember reviewing it way back in the day, not when it came out, but just on my own interest when I was going down my Kevin Reynolds uh, journey and thinking, uh, it's okay. It it should have stayed from one perspective. Like it tries to follow like um, the soldiers and also the country that they're invading. It's mostly like a tank film. Like it follows like a bunch of people in the Well, tank. that's cool. I mean, I'm into that. I can get behind Kevin Reynolds. Uh, Jason Patrick's in this too, right? This is an imprint release and their website is not updated if there's any special features or not. Really? Yeah, it still says special features TBD. Oh, weird. Yeah, I can't remember uh, what's on this. We are doing this podcast remotely this week, by the way, which is why we don't have these all in front of us at the moment. I mean, I'd like to think because it's imprint, there's a lot, but then I realize there are... I mean, there's got to be something, right? Unless like they always... There are a few imprint releases that we've 
gotten in that are like, eh, there's not a whole lot on there. So I Kevin don't know. Kevin Reynolds is probably pretty uh, available unless he's making some uh, Christian. Yeah, I know. Is that what, that's what he's doing these days? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. If you look at his credits, he has like a Christian film was like the last. Oh, time right. He, did. he made Risen, right? Was that? Yeah, him? That, I like Risen. I think that though. was him. Uh, it, I it's didn't fine. See that. Okay, okay. But he did like another more like uh, probably star someone like Dean Cain. Um, <laughs> like but come Kevin on down Smith. to Bay Street Video because the imprint titles not as expensive as they used to yeah, be. Yeah, pretty good. And this one is this one's been selling well. This one came in a little later than the rest of the slate, which we talked about. Yeah, because we talked about a ton of imprint last week, and this was part of that haul. But it came in came in late for some reason. But this one was hotly requested. People were calling us all last week. You got the beast in? You got the beast <laughs> in? The beast, aka the Beast of War. If you look on yes. Box. Yes. Next up, we have Megaforce from Umbrella. Listen, I put this one on. I do not like this movie. Oh, no. <laughs> have you ever seen it? I have not seen this. I mean, it seems like it should be the best movie ever because it seems like it. It yeah. stars Barry Boswick. It's directed by Hal Needham. And the film itself is so dull. Nothing happens. <laughs> like, yeah. there's no action, no nothing. It's produced by Golden Harvest, the Hong Kong company. Okay. okay. And it's just, ugh. Not good. Okay. But, but this new Blu-ray, <laughs> if you're a fan, you need to pick it up. Yeah, it's pretty packed, right? Yep. A new 40-minute interview with lead actor Barry Bostwick. Come on. You know, Hal Needham, I think beyond, like, rad, I don't think I've seen a single Hal Needham movie. Like, I haven't even seen Smokey and the Bandit What about Hooper? Anything. That's a fun one. Burt Reynolds plays a stuntman. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I mean, I'm I'm down to get into Hal Needham. I just, you know, don't know where to start. I don't know. Smoking the Bandit, I guess. Or... Yeah, Smoking the Bandit's fun. Hooper's really good. I'd have to look at his credit. I mean, Rad is his masterpiece. We yeah, like this. Rad, I had a great time with, obviously. So I'm down to check out more Needham. So next up, there's a Mark Pick, Last Days in the Desert. Oh, yeah. Speaking of religious movies, let's uh, get into it right now. Uh, Last Days in the Desert. Have you seen this one, by the way? Probably not. No, right? I've never even heard so of this it. This was uh, pretty recent. It's being released on the Shout Select line, so you know it's quality. Right? <laughs> this is a film with Ewan McGregor from about five years ago now, I think, uh, where he plays Jesus wandering through the desert. It's kind of like an imagined chapter of his life when he's, you know, wandering through the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. And so he plays Jesus and he plays a version of the devil who's kind of like this ghostly version of himself that's hovering over him the whole time. Basically, he comes across this family who lives out in the desert, played by Kieran Hines as the father. Ty Sheridan is uh, the son and Ilet Zerur is the mother, and basically he kind of, the family's got problems. It's kind of like a dysfunctional family movie set in, like, you know, biblical times, and, you know, Jesus is here to fix the family's problems, and, you know, the son feels underappreciated, the father doesn't think the son's living up to whatever, you know, it's one of those movies. I don't know, this movie kind of intrigues me because it's directed by rodrigo garcia who's a guy i really liked at one point you haven't even seen it i have yeah i watched this fairly recently because i'd always been kind of interested oh i thought you said it kind of intrigues me in the sense that like i will watch it at some no i i watched this recently because i'd always wanted to catch up with it rodrigo garcia made a bunch of like ensemble dramas in the 2000s like nine lives and things uh you can tell just by looking at her which i thought were really good at the time i haven't really revisited many of them but this movie looks, I mean, it's not great, but it definitely comes from like, it's trying to like go for that gospel according to St. Matthew kind of vibe, which is a movie I really like, the Pasolini film. And it's like just really stark and beautiful. It looks amazing. The location photography, it's all in the desert and it's shot by Emmanuel Lubezki. So it obviously looks like mint the whole way through. It's got some like 
cool, creepy dream sequence type stuff. Ewan McGregor's good. I like him. You know, Kieran Hines is good. The whole cast is good. You know, if you're into those like arty kind of slow moving, you know, biblical movies, I'd say give this one a shot. It's not bad, but I, I don't know if Shouts put many special no, nothing. features Just on a this trailer. or anything. I think that's the thing. Like, what is what is with these Shouts select releases? Like, what is even the point of them putting these out? I don't know. You know. Like, they have to hit a certain you know threshold every month. That's the only thing I can think of. There's their release slate because there's a few Shouts selects coming out later this month, and they're like they're like mining the mid 2010s catalog for like really dumb stuff like they're putting a, a walk in the woods do you remember that robert redford nick nolte movie that came out like five years ago yeah exactly no nobody remembers these movies and yet they're just putting these out it must be some like quota they have to fill or some like studio deal they're like beholden to you know next up we have nadia the secret of the blue water this is a big deal from g kids shout because this is an anime series miyazaki and hideaki anno the creator of i always say it wrong uh neo genesis evangelion yeah there you go yeah i think that's it this is one of the early projects he did it had been out of print forever but they made some kind of deal with i don't know who owns the rights of this now um ghibli or gainax and it's out it's finally out on blu-ray yeah i mean uh they put out evangelion i don't know half a year ago so maybe this was yeah they also did um uh uh, what was it called there was another like big deal Uh, one they put out you they did future boy conan i don't know if that's the one yeah yeah future boy conan yeah they've had some big anime releases they finally got the rights to so yeah i mean i'm not much of an anime buff but even i've heard about this one so must be so good you got must it because you don't get all the anime stuff because you sometimes look at it and you go i don't know what yeah this is. if it's the sh- the g kids shout stuff we get all that in though it's just if it's another like funimation or some of the other anime companies it's just too specific and niche and we just don't have the customer base for it but yeah usually the g kids shout stuff does pretty well next for up us. we have bloody muscle bodybuilder in hell from visual vengeance which we talked about Last week was the Necrophiles. Yeah, we we hinted at this one. Yeah, we hinted at a big one coming up, and this is pretty big. Is it? I don't know. This is big for us. I don't know. It's big for you. I know you're a huge fan of this. I, I mean, I'm a fan. I, I I'm not on this Blu-ray in any way, so it's not. I know you should be. Well, because the whole reason I've even seen this is because of you. And when you when you screened it, yes, we screened it at uh, what the film fest, and it was fun. People really liked it. If you you've never heard of this before, it is. Not a remake of Evil Dead, but heavily inspired by the Evil Dead. Yeah. It's often what referred to as the Japanese Evil Dead, Japanese I Evil guess. Dead, yeah. But it's mostly just like a guy in a very cramped Japanese apartment that deals with like an evil force that is represented through stop motion and tons of other fun stuff. I had a great time, too. I thought it was fun. I thought the effects were really cool. I loved the whole, I loved the Super 8 vibe of the whole thing. It was just a great time. One of those great discoveries. And I remember at the time, I think you maybe you were saying or somebody like there was maybe a dvd or blu-ray release coming out but it was like kind of vague yeah, yeah it was in the, the uk, UK they put out a dvd but I owned, it's nice so. to see like a nice special edition north american version of this what are the special features like on this i assume you uh, an interview with the director the commentary track was adam green and joe lynch yeah, okay okay which is like oh, okay i feel like they're probably going to make fun of the movie which is what they usually do on their commentary tracks and also a commentary track was japanese film historian james harper i'm not familiar with that fellow but that's nice. But yeah, you're right. It's it's weird because I don't even feel like this is one of those movies that's like so bad it's funny or something. Like I think this is a no, legitimately like decent movie. Like yeah, it's obviously lower budget, but that's like the only like knock against it. I guess. Well, I mean that's not a knock against it, but like I don't know. I I thought I was going into this. I remember prepared for something that might be like bad fun or something. 
but I thought this was legitimately a pretty solid little indie low budge horror fight. And now flick. it's out. It's cheap. And it has tons of stickers and posters and other uh, feelies in it. So yeah, these it Visual Vengeance releases are pretty reasonably priced. Uh, we get some good prices on these. So it's like, yeah, it's like twenty. Maybe they'll jack them up later on. Yeah, well, get them while they're hot then. So next up, we have Gamer coming on 4K. I put this one on the list because I love Gamer. You're a Gamer fan, eh? I'm a game head. That's you right. You know what? I only caught up with this one maybe like three or four years ago. For some and reason, you know I'd never seen this before. Not a big fan of Crank 1 or 2 either. <laughs> See, I... I, and me, I love Crank. Not as huge into Crank 2, but I, at the time, I was obsessed with Crank. I was just a big fan. Um, and I also, I know we've talked about this and you don't agree, but I'm also a Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance fan. So, you, you are know. bananas. I know. So bad. I, know. I like it. I like it. And I also have a soft spot for Pathology, the film they wrote. Oh, that movie's awful. Uh, I, I know. I, I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. I don't know what it is. I'm just crazy, but I don't know. Pathology. You are. I mean, pathology is kind of like flatliners type thing but like you went more... into you know like when babies are born and that there's that thing like animals where they like <laughs> attach themselves to people no matter what's in front of them yeah yeah uh, you did that with through a certain period even though pathology came out in 2008 yeah so it feels like a 90s it was. Movie. i was working at rogers i remember at the time and it came out and i just watched it on dvd i'm like all right cool i'm gonna give this a spin and i don't know what i mean Get, don't get me wrong. I haven't revisited this since 2008, so I could watch it again and just hate it. But I don't know. At the time, I don't know. So I was a big Neville Dean Taylor fan at the time. Wait, so wait. I want to read my review of Pathology, which Neville Dean and Taylor only wrote and produced. They only wrote. Yeah, this isn't one of their... So it doesn't have all their direct So work. I went on Letterboxd. My review goes, Well, old friend, I see you in the bargain bin all the time. I think it's time <laughs> we finally meet. You can't be as bad as everyone says, right? You were written and produced by Neville Dean and Taylor in their prime. Oh, man, you're even worse. <laughs> Hateful, sociopathic, deeply unlikable, and worst of all, completely style-free. Uh, How is yeah. there not style in this film? How? Yeah, I and know. And then I wrote, toss his DVD in the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this DVD... I did toss it in the garbage. I feel like that I DVD remember. is so out of print now. I feel like it's really hard to get a copy of Pathology <laughs> it anymore. It was everywhere. It was everywhere for a while. But yeah, I I don't know. All right, I, I'm not going to defend it that much because if you ask me what I like about it, I'll, I'm like I, I don't know. It was it was fun. I thought I love it was Neville fun. Dean and Taylor, they're the best. Yeah, M Milo Ventimiglia, he he was good, right? <laughs> but gamer, gamer. I mean, it's my man Jerry Butler. There you go. Yeah, this is why you like it, right? Because he's in it. <laughs> oh no, I I like it's all of its style. I like the really in your face commentary on The Sims in it. Yep. I feel I like Neville Dean and Taylor are at their prime here and their roller blade era of filmmaking it like, is yeah the topic that they've chosen works very well for their style it's just fun yeah no i, I agree when i finally caught up with it i liked it i did uh, i didn't maybe love it as much as you did or as i thought i was going to <laughs> sorry. maybe i'm sorry it wasn't pathology i know it wasn't as sorry it wasn't as good as pathologies no i like this a lot i think i don't know maybe i Maybe if I went back and rewatched Crank and stuff, I wouldn't like it as much now. But maybe some of the juvenilia just kind of irked me. But but no, mostly I, I did really like it. And I agree with the Sim stuff. It's really fun. I don't know. We've sold a few, though. So I, I think some people like it. Uh, I think it's grown a bit in... I feel like... Because when it came out, it got terrible reviews, right? I think... And I think since then, it's kind of grown in cult stature. What do you like more about this that you don't like about Crank? For, because for me, they have similar kind of vibes. I find Crank kind of just like a, a mostly miserable experience, yeah, I find. Like everyone's so deeply unlikable in it. And Gamer, at least you have Jerry Butler as the kind of central, like he's not a terrible person. 
if you know what I mean. Crank has a lot of weird asides that don't work for me that are like very like Guy Ritchie Snatch-esque. That's fair. And I do think from my memory, Crank has a bit of homophobic sort of tendencies that are... I'm sure a gamer does too. I feel like, I guess for me, I thought Crank had a little bit more inventive like action sequences, but... Oh, I thought Gamer had way more inventive action sequences. No, I, look, I still liked Gamer. Um, maybe, I think I would have loved it more if I'd seen it right when it came out. I want you to out. get that Gamer tattoo, Mark. You put up or shut up. <laughs> for real, man. Um, yeah, you know what? I, I can dig it. Are you going to buy it on 4K UHD? No, I have the DVD. I'm good. <laughs> oh, actually, I have the blue Blu-ray I picked up for $2 at like a garage sale. So I'm good. Speaking about DVDs that were everywhere. Yeah. Gamer was in like every bargain bin around the world. For so next up years. we have Cal from IFC. Mark, you've seen I this have, one. Yeah. This is the new Andrea Arnold film who of course made Fish Tank, uh, American Honey. Great films. Great films. And this is her new documentary, which is just about a cow, the, the life of a cow on a cow farm. And she just, you know, films the cows, getting milked, it's doing its Wait, thing. Wait, isn't this the one that's like, you'll fall in love with the duck or something like um, that? No, that's Gunda, I think. Gunda's the black and white one. Oh my about god, the... how many cow cow movies do we have well, to Well, Gunda get? is the black and white film about a pig and uh, like a rooster. That one I liked a lot. This one I liked a bit less, although it's fun. It's kind of like, even though it's a documentary, it's very much an Andrea Arnold film. She almost like treats... The way she films the cows and everything, just like any of like her kind of like low income characters, marginalized characters in her movies. So although I would say it feels a bit more like she uses a lot of pop music in this again and stuff, and it feels a bit more like an affectation, whereas in like the other movies, it felt more organic out of the story and the characters. It might not be my favorite of hers, but, you know, I love watching animals. You know, I got to give it to her for like for a director kind of like really sort of who's in demand now, who's like big on the international film scene for her to like make her next movie, just like a simple documentary about a cow is just kind of like charming to me i like that it's wild that it ends with andrea arnold eating the cow yes too. I, I, I was gonna say i will say it ends in a you know a not a fun note necessarily but that's kind of what you expect I don't, I don't think she exploits it really or anything but i mean it's it's the life cycle of a cow right so you know it's gonna end somewhere so it wasn't as heart-wrenching to me as the end of gunda which was like really heart-wrenching so you know i, I had a good time with it I had all a good right time. so from sad cows to pleasure yeah well from sad cows to sad porn exposés oh no um, have you seen pleasure no nope, i have not yeah i mean this is the you know porn world expose from swedish filmmaker ninja thyberg i definitely mangled that name but uh yeah and this has been obviously causing a stir because it's you know about the porn and it casts it has a lot of porn actors in it it's basically just about a young swedish girl who comes to america to make it big in the porn world and you know basically it's that kind of showgirls-esque rise to fame where she loses her morals along the way and she also encounters sleazeball after sleazeball but then she also encounters a lot of nice people in this world and everything and when are we gonna get the nice porn film where everybody gets along and i know i know not not now i mean this does a good job of interrogating like the modern porn world and just how how much it's you know still defined by patriarchy and still kind of defined by what like men's pleasure over women's pleasure kind of all the talking points you would expect from this movie and yeah i will say it doesn't necessarily go anywhere you don't think it's going to go it's a very like common sort of story arc that you've seen before 
But I think the things that ha- has it going for it, it does have a sense of realism because the entire, almost the entire cast, except for the lead actress, are actual porn performers. And they're all really naturalistic and they're really good on camera. The lead actress, though, Sophia Capel, who I think this is her first role like ever. She's just an unknown is fantastic in this. She really sells it, really gets you on her side. And yeah, even though it kind of goes where you think it's going to go, I, you're really like invested in her journey the whole way. So yeah, I really, I dug this one. I it was so really next up we have White Lie. And this seems like an indie film about someone faking cancer. Yes, it is. Have you seen this one? This is a Canadian film. Ah, you haven't done your Canadian duty, eh? No. Well, I don't work for the Canadian screen. I could see them very easily that way. How am I supposed to see these movies? That's true. I don't know. This one came out. Yeah, this is from a few years ago. 2019. I know. It, it was playing festivals in 2019. And then I think it was about to come out theatrically, at least in Canada, right when the pandemic was hitting. And I think that pushed it back. So it just kind of took a while. Now it's finally on DVD. This is the latest film from Yona Lewis and Calvin Thomas, who are like Toronto area filmmakers who've done some really like cool experimental films, including one like kind of experimental mental horror film in the past that I liked. So they've got a really weird, arty vibe. This is a little more of a straightforward conventional movie. And you're right, it's about a... It's about an undergrad student, uh, this girl who is basically faking cancer to like maintain a secret. And you're not really sure what it is. It's one of those movies where you're introduced to this character and and it slowly kind of reveals why she's doing this, uh, but not explicitly either. So it's kind of left up to you to figure out like why she would do something as like vile as this. But kudos to the lead actress, uh, Casey Roll, who really sells you on this. And like for such a, you know, for a character who's doing such a despicable kind of thing, you definitely are still sympathizing with her. So I, I she gives a really great performance and um, really cool vibe. So I would say this is one of my, definitely one of my favorite Canadian films in recent years. Um, so check it out. Finally available from Squint's Tricoast. Tricoast, yeah. Yeah, you know what company this is? This is the company that put out uh, that Violence Voyager movie that we talked about. Oh, like that bootleg style company? Well, that's so weird. Yeah, they're like an MO bootleg company Did no one pick up white lie it seems pretty classy like that seems I like know because it played at tiff and then it played at some other festivals kind of thing yeah but i don't know why it took so long for them to pick i guess it was just like yeah i don't know how this worked out i don't know why they got it i mean unfortunately a lot of canadian movies these days only come out on disc if a like a u.s company puts them out and a lot of times it's like mod's like this so I don't know. I don't know what went on with this one. I mean, they're, these directors' previous films have like never come out on DVD or anything, so I think this is the first one to even do that. But I don't know. I'm glad it's available for maybe more people to see. I mean, I'm sure it's on streaming services somewhere, but I don't know. This one does... I, the other thing I like about this is it ratchets up the tension really well. It reminds me of a movie like Shattered Glass, which I really love. Where it's <laughs> you like, love Shattered Glass. Oh, I love Shattered Glass, where a character is like desperately trying to... like lie and they just keep getting further and it just keeps getting more intense like you know it's going to get figured out and you're just like waiting for it to all blow up on them so uh good stuff yeah because in here she's trying to like fake doctor's notes and stuff and like just go through all these things to like get all this money she's basically basically the hook is that she's trying to like start a fundraiser to get a bunch of money based on her having cancer but she's trying to use it to just like go away somewhere else and I don't know. It's really good. I really like so this. So next up, we have a movie I have not seen since it came out. Adam Sandler's The Wedding Plan. No, wait. This is not the Adam Sandler film. Hey, if The Wedding Singer was coming out on Blu-ray and some special edition, that would be like my pick of the week. <laughs> oh, no, wait. This is the Matthew McConaughey, Jennifer Lopez movie. You know, I thought we should end on something 
funny, I guess. Like, Wait, did you watch well, this? Well, I've seen this in, in the past, yeah. I mean, I'll forgive you for not remembering what this movie is because I don't think anybody really remembers this. This was from the year 2000 or 2001, I think this came out. Yeah, and it's Matthew McConaughey and Jennifer Lopez. And, you know, it's it was in that Matthew McConaughey period where he was still making just like nothing but dumb rom-coms. The one where he murders all his ex-girlfriends. G- ghost of girlfriends past. <laughs> all right. This one is particularly insufferable, I remember, because <laughs> his character his character is such a jerk ass in this movie, you know? Well, I mean, the concept is J-Lo is a wedding planner and she's planning Matthew McConaughey's wedding to somebody that I can't remember who it is. Um, And of course, you know, it's one of those things where she falls in love with Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey's kind, you can sense he's kind of dissatisfied in this marriage that's about to happen. So, you know, they're going to kind of end up together. But honestly, Matthew McConaughey is so insufferable about this. The one thing I remember about his character is that he he will only eat one color of M&M's. He's like one of those guys. He like, that's his like tick. He like pulls out like M&M's or maybe it's Smarties or I guess Smarties is a Canadian thing. M&M's and he only eats like the red ones or something. And he's like so bizarre about it in such an obnoxious way. And I don't know. This is just one of those like bougie early 2000s rom-com where it's all like rich people. It's funny to me that this is finally coming out on Blu-ray. I don't know. I guess J-Lo's back in the news, right? J-Lo's yeah, back Yeah, because she's back so, with uh, Ben Affleck. She's back with Ben Aff- Benifer's back again, right? Are or they going to make movies again? Can we get Gigli 2? Call me crazy, but I think if they made a Gigli 2 these, day, this, this, these days that Ben Affleck directed, because, you know, I think Martin Brest directed the original, and yeah. I think they could make some bank off this. I think they could make a more sort of self-aware Gigli 2 today that Ben Affleck directs, and it would be like they'd get a ton of press. You don't even have to put it in theaters. Put it on like Netflix or something. It would have like tons of viewers. Make it happen. We need a Gigli 2, people. We need it. We need to make the world whole again. I would say The Wedding Planner is worse than Gigli. If you want to get real. I mean, Gigli has more offensive things. In it. Well, I'm not going to watch The Wedding Planner, so I'll take your word on it. I don't know. It just The poster always made me laugh. That's why I'm bringing it up. That's it. That's it for this week's episode of the Bay Street Video Podcast. Uh, store's open. Come visit. <laughs> TIFF is coming soon in a Tiff, month. TIFF. We should, we should talk about some of the TIFF stuff we're seeing at that point. We should do some like TIFF-related talk yeah um, we'll drop a, a little bit um every week until it finally arrives and people that don't live here are like why do they keep talking about this thing that i can't experience so frustrating I know. well no everybody's jealous that they can't be in toronto right oh now. yeah they can't see uh what's a crappy movie that's coming that's playing it too <laughs> god and anything in the gala slate probably. yeah there's a lot of that so <laughs> until next week my name's Justin the Clue. and i'm mark hansen keep on buying keep on renting Jennifer Lopez movies. These movies and many more are available at your local video store. Hey, I love Jennifer Lopez. Do you? I do. What's your favorite Jennifer Lopez movie that's not Steven Soderbergh? Either, I mean, I love her in U-Turn. Big U-Turn fan. Uh, I, I love The Cell. Big The Cell fan. Oh, yeah, you're a cell head. And, you know, I, I have a soft spot for Gigli. I'm sorry. <laughs> Gigli, Gigli is a terrible movie, and it's got one of the most offensive portrayals of a mentally ill person ever. Who plays the mentally ill person in uh, it? Justin, Bar- Justin Bartha, the guy from The Hangover, who's the guy that gets, gets lost every time. Oh, okay, yeah. He started his career playing a very 
bad mentally ill person like very very bad mentally ill portrayal portrayal there's also a lot of homophobia it, actually Gili kind of recycles the sh- uh, chasing Amy storyline in that Jennifer Lopez's character in that is a lesbian and oh she gets turned straight by Ben Affleck that's a running theme in his uh, in his career right <laughs> yep he demands it he demands that it that is his writer <laughs> yeah 